Okay. I've muted myself and intentionally told Angel that we are not recording at the moment, so he stops interrupting my joke. As the classic saying goes, interrupt me five times, I begin doing behind your back work rounds to attempt to say something the sixth time. A very thin man goes into a car dealership and is looking, Help! I thought I was safe, but they found me. I open the door and they're floating in the void. It's the crystal skulls. And, oh no, I didn't think it was possible. They brought the Iceman's curse with them. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cracking Cryptids and Curios. This is Matt, once again joined by the Million Hobby Man, Angel. Mm-hmm. I think that's a new title for you. Yeah, yeah, I got it framed last week. Ooh. <laughs> it's going to be on a plaque soon, I bet. <laughs> now, Angel, you were telling me about something that you do in your spare time that really piqued my interest. And it really actually ties into the holiday season a little bit. So... You make snow globes, but they aren't just any snow globes. You are recreating Peter Jackson's 1987 first feature film, Bad Taste, almost scene by scene in snow globe form. So for those of you that don't know or have not seen Bad Taste, it follows four men as they try to stop an alien invasion in which the aliens come to Earth to harvest humans for the alien's fast food company in space. So how's the project going, Angel? Just like any project, you know, it's it's a passion project. It's, you know, I pour my heart and soul into this for this particular thing, just like I do with all of my other hobbies. And, you know, I'm spending thousands of dollars into getting this <laughs> right. Snow globes. <laughs> and it's almost become a problem. Um, but you know what? I don't care because I need to get the texture of the homo nuggets just right. <laughs> You know, classic line in that in that movie. <laughs> Peter Jackson had he went there. He went there. Yep. I personally can't wait to see the snow globe that has Peter Jackson's character driving a van with cardboard cutouts of the Beatles in it. And if I recall correctly, I think part of Peter Jackson's skull is missing and ex- his brain is exposed. When you say Peter Jackson's character, you, which one are you talking about? Because there's at least two. <laughs> he's, he's in there. Well, there is like a, I hope I can also look at your snow globes and then realize halfway through the snow globe scenes that Peter Jackson was actually the guy in the beginning of the movie too and is one of the main characters and yep. didn't even realize it. He's such a damn good actor. You can't tell. Just a perfect movie. <laughs> a real gem. Yep. In this episode, we find ourselves taking a look at a couple of curious things. First, the phenomenon known as Crystal Skulls, and then we chill ourselves to the bone with that of the Iceman's Curse. I must ask, Angel, I hope you have your grave-robbing clothes on. Yeah, I made sure to get dirt on them and everything. Uh huh. Mine are a bit stiff, as I also stole them from the corpse from the last time we (laughs) robbed a grave. (laughs) And yours are yours are fitting well? Not really, no. I took them off oh. of a tall guy. 
Oh no, they're too baggy. With your baggy clothes, Angel, Indiana Jones has nothing on you. Are you ready to investigate the Crystal Skulls? More ready than ever. Is that your Indiana Jones voice? No, I don't know what happened. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was attempting to set an outline for this portion of the show, and I nearly had a full-on panic attack. I say that because there is so much confusing information out there about the Crystal Skulls. Are they some primordial cosmological key? Are they from Atlantis? Are they just plain Mesoamerican religious icons? Are they goddamn alien skulls? I don't know. But overall, the Crystal Skulls appear to just be human skulls, but consisting of quartz rather than bone. Some are skull-sized, just normal human skull-sized. Some are a few inches big. And then others are just monstrously large alien heads. It just makes no sense why there is such a differing representation of crystal skulls. So I, I want to ask you, Angel, do you recall the first time that you ever in your life heard of crystal skulls? I sure do. I remember back when I was a wee young lad. Um, my... Just like yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Fresh fresh from a grave robbing. and <laughs> <laughs> Just straight out of the grave. <laughs> my sister had a book on uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not, uh, different curiosities, oh, yep. if, if you mm -hmm. will. And yeah, Crystal Skulls is one of them. And I just always thought that was amazing. I'm like, what? That's a thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think mine was from this. It had to have been like self-produced and self-filmed Dan Aykroyd movie that I saw on Netflix. <laughs> I think this was quite a while ago before Netflix streaming actually had like legitimate movies on it. It was just <laughs> these, this hodgepodge of garbage. Yeah. So it's, it's Dan Aykroyd sitting in a room and it's just a single focus shot the entire time he's smoking a cigar he's like drinking whiskey or scotch or something and he just talks for like an hour and a half about ufos and aliens and it, it the way that it's filmed it makes it sort of look like at the end dan Aykroyd's either going to be killed or kill somebody it was like a <laughs> snuff film and luckily nobody died and it just ended and dan Aykroyd told me about crystal skulls and aliens and i think that was the first time i've ever really heard of crystal skulls so i think angel this is going to be a true stress test for cotton eye joe's razor the axiom that states for something to have come from somewhere it must therefore go somewhere so where did the crystal skulls come from so according to fa rafa who wrote a book called quantemplation something for everyone from all that is F.A. Rafa wrote, The legend of the Crystal Skulls was passed down from generations along with the story of the great cataclysmic global flood, which is found at the root of all world cultures. The legend says that 13 crystals, 12 representing the sacred planets of our solar system, and one, the sun, represents the collective consciousness of all. These skulls were distributed and hidden in pyramid structures around the world thousands of years ago, just before the Great Flood, by a long-lost ancient civilization. These crystal skulls hold in their crystalline memory banks vital information. Only when they are reunited in a grid form 1 plus 12 format will they reveal telepathically the necessary knowledge and understanding of our origins and the future of mankind. So, Angel, 
I preface my question with this statement. What I just read from F.A. Rafa is part of the book that actually makes the most sense. So what are your thoughts on this pre-Great Flood peoples distributing crystal skulls around the world to pyramids for safekeeping? I'm still trying to get over the... I already, I'm already blanking at what it was that I heard because it was so... Was it the, the 12 solar yes, planets? Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I don't even know what 12 planets that's referencing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Have planets disappeared? <laughs> I don't know anymore. I don't. I thought I knew everything, and I guess I don't. So this brought up a lot of questions for me, sort of like, so, okay, we have some crystal skulls from way back when. Okay, so that's established. Mm-hmm. We have then some sort of lost civilization that somehow distributed these crystal skulls to safekeeping in these pyramids throughout the world. Okay. Who who built the pyramids then? It wasn't the ancient civilization because they already would have been there, presumably. The keepers the keepers of the skull. <laughs> but why? Like why did they have to go to a pyramid? Can't the pyramid flood too during the great flood? No. No, pyramids are safe. <laughs> the pyramids are built in a, such a way that all the water rolls off of them. <laughs> oh, I missed that in pyramid class. <laughs> so I guess suffice to say, I don't agree with anything that R.A. Rafa has to say, but it sets a baseline of, the I think, the crystal skull idea. So this, that it goes back to like some ancient time that these crystal skulls for one reason or another were either created or found or some sort of like mysticism around them by collecting them all in pokemon fashion you have to collect them all (laughs) you bring them together and it unlocks telepathically the knowledge to understand our origins and then future of mankind i i don't know like that's stated very matter of fact that it's going to be telepathic yeah like these are the kinds of things that I, whenever I hear that, I, I always like want to know, how do they know this? <laughs> I feel like if we know that the skulls are going to telepathically talk to us when they're all brought back in grid form 1 plus 12 format, that whatever the hell that format is, that we don't really need to know what the future of mankind is because we already know that there's telepathic crystal skulls out there. Mm-hmm. And what more do you need to know, really? <laughs> Despite Rafa's claim of some pre-Great Flood civilization dispensing these around the globe, it would seem that the first recordings of them date back to the 1860s, where multiple skulls started to appear in the antiquities trade. And from previous episodes, we know the 1800s was just rife with some crazy shit going on, and this is just one more thing to pile on to the craziness of the late 1800s. It was a very popular thing at that time for wealthy white men to start buying various artifacts from who they considered savages. And these skulls are often claimed to be pre-Columbian Mayan or Aztec creations. So probably the most known and well-recorded of the skulls is that of one allegedly found by a man named Frederick Albert Mitchell Hedges. A London-born man, F.A. Mitchell Hedges, was a stockbroker with an interest in exploration. And I was, as I was putting this together, I was like, there's already two people. There's F.A. Rafa and now F.A. Mitchell Hedges. That blew my mind that there's two F.A.s in, involved with this story. I mean, is it a coincidence? 
I don't know. <laughs> is Frederick Al- Albert Mitchell Hedges really F.A. Rafa? Just gained long-lasting life? <laughs> the mantle of immortality? Maybe he found the skulls. <laughs> As I was saying, though, but F.A. Mitchell Hedges was a stockbroker with an interest in exploration. So, Angel, a hobby, you could say, but not quite as exciting as, of course, any of yours. <laughs> On a trip to the mine ruins of Lubinton in present-day Belize in the 1920s, Mitchell Hedges and his daughter Anna supposedly found a crystal skull. So the story, according to Anna, she found the skull under a Mayan altar or inside a deep hole or cave or inside a pyramid. Her story kind of changes a few times over the years. In fact, she even says she was lowered with ropes and had towels on the ropes so it wouldn't hurt her as she was lowered down into this like black pit surrounded, she says, by scorpions. So she gets to the bottom of the pit, she grabs the crystal skull as her father is about to bring her back up out of fear of what could happen to her down there. Going further, when she makes it back to the surface, she holds the skull up and the light glistens in it and picks it out. And, cl- and she claims the Mayans who were helping the expedition dropped to their knees in reverence. <laughs> Mitchell Hedges apparently kept the find a secret however not revealing that it was in his possession until the late 1940s so he sat on it for almost 20 years that he had the crystal skull in his possession in his 1954 memoir danger my ally hell of a title there (laughs) he claimed it was a relic of the mayans he dubbed it the skull of doom and that several people who have cynically laughed at it have died Others have been stricken and become seriously ill. And then finally he added, How it came into my possession, I have reason for not revealing. So what do you think of the story so far, Angel? I have a lot of things going through my head right now. Uh, Slight, uh, you know, tangentially related to this. For example, I was thinking about how if this was all made up, like let's say this guy had the skull but didn't really get it from where he claimed if it if it generates enough of hype it makes people want to go visit the place that supposedly had the skull right and then it gives them tourism you know do you see what i'm getting at it's like it's a lie but now he's these people are now going to get money from visit foreign visitors and it's like I don't know. Like, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? I think we've also sort of seen this in a few of the different episodes. Like, a lot of places like rely on the weird to like draw people to it for financial reasons. Like, mm-hmm. Rhinelander and the Hodag, uh, some portions of Southern Florida with the skunk ape. <laughs> yeah, like people rally behind some of these things and like build their identity around it. And and they also rely on like the ancient peoples like they have to use a story oh this skull was found you know in this mayan um site and this yeah it's like why 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 add that aspect to it it all i almost died there were scorpions surrounding me as i was lowered into a pit to get this crystal (laughs) skull Uh, i i question fa mitchell hedges parenting ability to lower his daughter into a pit uh to get this crystal skull where, where there are no other 
workers willing to do that. I, I, it was never made clear how that I mean, scenario came about. I mean, it sounded like she was pretty confident in herself, holding up the mm-hmm. skull like some sort well, of think, trophy. Yeah, I know. Well, I think she was like a small child at the time, too. So it wasn't like it was she was an, an adult in this situation. And the Mayan people, what was it? They they got on their knees or something? Bowed down they to bowed her, down under their knees in were reverence they, of the skull. But now that my other question is, were they bowing down to her, to the skull, or to her? Like, you know, maybe the holder, the keeper of the skull is the powerful one, not the skull itself. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> she relinquished it's like the that. Highlander. <laughs> She's the she is the one. <laughs> we go into now. Where have the crystal skulls gone? So many skulls can be found in private or museum collections. Indeed, the Smithsonian actually has one. In an interview with NPR, anthropologist Jane Walsh describes the one in the Smithsonian's collection. She says it's at least 31 pounds, the size of a bowling ball, smooth as ice with hollow eye sockets. However, it is odd to actually find one on display in a reputable museum, as they seem to be really a relic of buying and trading in antiquities, and then later discovered to not be what they were actually claimed to have been. In fact, old F.A. Mitchell Hedges, it turns out, the reason why it took him so long to disclose that he had this crystal skull, he purchased his skull in an auction in 1943. Later on after that, like records were found of this auction. Significant research has been done in examining the skulls, and they appear to have been made with modern era tools, things that the natives of Middle America uh, would never have had access to uh, when these were supposedly created. Should also be noted as well, it was actually very rare for Mayans or Aztecs to actually work with quartz crystal. Most of the skulls that are attributed to them in antiquity are like for art reasons or religious reasons, were made of basalt and were never anywhere near as intricate and detailed as the crystal skulls that we know today. There aren't really, and as I was looking at it, these aren't like true fakes. As they weren't trying to copy anything, it seems that they're just more likely that they were made like as a creation by somebody or a group of people just to sell and try to cash in on interest in Mesoamerican artifact purchasing. I think that's the conclusion that I've really come to, is just people jumping on an opportunity to try to sell stuff that looked like it could have been old and like mysterious. Do you have uh, anything to say about the Crystal Skulls before we dive into the rubric of power? The skulls themselves, they it's like you said, you've only presented like a tiny portion of the lore behind them i mean there's so much going on that that is just i mean if you got if anyone's interested you got to check it out there's books on this stuff you can get the mystery of the crystal skulls that one seems to be uh pretty down to earth there are tons of books on this subject yeah if like research type books aren't your forte and you want like a novel there's even more novels written <laughs> yep. regarding the like crystal skulls and people doing crazy stuff with them. Yeah, pl- plenty of novels. And if you don't want to read, you can always watch a bad, bad movie with the crystal skull in it. Well, I guess bad movies, from what I heard. I, I don't remember the, Indi- the last Indiana Jones film, but a-, a lot of people didn't like it. 
But that one I wasn't sure if that's the one we were referencing or something. No, no, like that. I, I was, liked it. I no, I was know. I was referencing another movie. There's a there's a, a horror movie series called House. The first House was a great film. I recommend it for everyone. The sequel is is bad. It's bad. But those it, have to do with the crystal skulls. The second one does. It has like oh, a okay. crystal skull, and it's it's just so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah. I, m- I remember seeing them like uh, the cover art for them, uh, but I've never this watched them. It's like, them. A, like a disembodied hand about to ring yep, a doorbell. Yep, yeah, finger. Yeah, yeah, that's, yep, yep. that's the first one. Yeah, that's a good movie. You should watch it. <laughs> Don't watch the second one unless you want to see a crystal skull. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I need the crystal skull house. <laughs> so how about then, Angel? Let's do it. I'm going to hold up the crystal skull. Bow down in reverence. Get on your knees. Tell me <laughs> your score for the lore of the crystal skulls so right off the bat the laura i gave it a three i didn't go okay. i didn't go for the full four because it's just too much information <laughs> like i just there's it's like it's good to have a lot of lore but at this point it's like guys we gotta rein it rein it in a bit just plain and simple yeah like the, i looked at it the, the same exact way is that it's really bizarre as the lore just seems to fill in whatever people want the crystal skulls to be. Yep. Like, ancient aliens? Yep, skulls got you covered. Atlantis? Why the hell not? Supercomputers? Okay. <laughs> it's it's all those things. <laughs> Josh Shapiro, uh, one of the authors of Mysteries of the Crystal Skulls Revealed, writes, We believe the crystal skulls are a form of computer which are able to record energy and vibration that occur around them, he writes. The skull will pictorially replay all events or images of the people who have come in contact with them, i.e. they contain the history of our world. My God. (laughs) The crystal skulls have recorded any, like, the energy and all history of anybody that has ever, like, been around them? Mm -hmm. How, like, how can you come to a conclusion like that? (laughs) Beyond just saying, like, this is what I think, and then ancient aliens, and why not Atlantis? It just gets so confusing is the like the thing that I'm stuck up on. Yeah. In relation to Mitchell Hedges, his claim was that this skull was almost at, at least 4,000 years old and was the embodiment of evil, like the literal embodiment of evil. So the skull's are whatever you want them to be. They're like just some amorphous <laughs> symbol of mystery. Yeah. And I think it, it got to a point where it was just like too much, like not, it didn't feel like true lore. At that point, it just became like people making stuff up of whatever they want the crystal skulls to be with no evidence backing around it at all. Yeah. And so that's what hurt me. And then I brought it down to, as my cat hisses, I brought it down to a, Two and a half for lore. Not bad. So how about uh, properties? Properties. Wow. Going the complete opposite direction because of there's so much lore behind it. I, I, I love the fact that these skulls can either give me all of the uh, knowledge ever, uh, grant me psychic powers, I don't know, create the universe. I don't know. I don't know what the hell you can <laughs> say about them, but they do all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Uh, psychic powers signed me up four. Four, yeah. I mean, the properties are 
this is like Santa Claus level power. If you <laughs> yeah. consider like properties, it's just the power of the stones. So they are all over the place. Some of the basics, just the little things that the crystal skulls can do. Cure cancer, <laughs> heal you, but then also cause death. So allegedly in Mayan history, when a shaman was about to die due to old age, a new shaman would be named. They would both be placed on stone slabs and the crystal skull would be held up above them. And the skull had the power to transfer the old shaman into the younger shaman. It facilitated this transportation of knowledge into the new shaman's mind. And like the old shaman would just die. And then the new shaman would be like, oh my gosh, I know everything that there is to know about shamanism. And was ready to be the new shaman. There are reports of researchers who have spent significant time with the skulls. And they say that they were awakened by noises of jungle cats. And silver bells with chimes, music, voices singing or chanting. And that when you looked into the skull, you can see images of mountains and temples and then faces within the skull. So it has like some sort of almost like a, a record player that keeps playing it over and over again inside the skull. In one book, I saw people that <laughs> who love this stuff referred to as skull enthusiasts and I, th I really enjoyed that labeling of people as a skull enthusiast <laughs> so enthusiasts and psychics have studied and meditated around specifically the mitchell hedges skull and they believe ancient wisdom is inside that can provide important information to scientists and healers of our world another like statement out of the blue if it would fall into the wrong hands the skull would destroy itself <laughs> The skull has to know intrinsically if you are good and if you are bad and would like do bad things with the skull, it's like, I'm out of here and then <laughs> up and destroy itself. Yeah. <laughs> Psychic Sandra Bowens is said to have spent two months with the skull, specifically the Mitchell Hedges skull. Apparently, Angel, mm -hmm. I need you to really focus because listen to this, what I'm about to say. With the help of two extraterrestrials, Akbar and Josephat, she learned from the skull that its favorite color is purple and that it had skull brothers and sisters that it missed. It is not a creation, but a crystallization of the Shah Tritra's skull, a high priestess of Atlantis. So several Atlantean priests formed a special pattern around her skull, around Shah Tritra's skull, and with the help of the space beings using the power of their minds and laser beams from their eyes that crystallized her skull. Yeah, anything with eye laser beams gets a four for me. My God. This is amazing. I also love how she just name drops Akbar and Josephat as extraterrestrials. I mean, I mean, you can't. You can't go wrong when you talk about Akbar and Josephat. The two most famous extraterrestrials there is. <laughs> what a duo. <laughs> they are helping psychic Sandra Bowens <laughs> unlock the Crystal Skull's favorite color. I mean, I applaud you. God bless you, Akbar and Josephat. I mean, Godspeed. Have you heard of the new film they're working on? Akbar and Josephat go to White Castle in space? Oh, God. Is that the sequel to bad taste or the we find out that the actual 
uh, fast food chain is White Castle. <laughs> White Castle is actually a front for extraterrestrials oh, no. and crystal skulls. Oh, no. Peter Jackson knew this <laughs> 30 years ago. So, yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with eye laser beams crystallizing a, a woman's skull. And then it also went on that they didn't only crystallize her skull. They crystallized all of her bones. But then her body got, like, split up. And supposedly, when her body is put back together, all the crystal bones are, are brought back together. And only her body would, like, allow that to happen. It's going to, like, contact specific people to facilitate the, the rejoining of her body. Uh, something would happen. It didn't, it wasn't sort of clear what would happen when <laughs> her body was brought back together. But I want to be there for it. <laughs> how about the... How about the functionality and purpose of the Crystal Skulls, Angel? So, this is great because all the properties of the skull is what made me love it so much to give it a four. But because it has so many different functions and properties, <laughs> I have no idea what the actual true purpose of the skull is. Like, I don't know what exactly <laughs> it's supposed to do. <laughs> That's too many purposes. <laughs> so I just gave it a straight up one. <laughs> I mean, I don't want. Well, I guess, like, who knows? Maybe I get a skull, and then suddenly it kills me because it deems me as not good or something. No, no, yeah, and then destroys itself. And then it like, itself. It's like yeah. you out, I'm out, we all out, <laughs> dead. <laughs> Man, functionality and purpose of the crystal skulls. We're, I'm saying that. So, is it to kill, to cure, just knowledge in general, and then? Just this, like I said, just the, they are whatever you want them to be. Its purpose is just too vast, I think, and not focused enough to to have a four. So I landed on a three. It was. It needs. Um. It needs to go back to the to the drawing board and really <laughs> uh, focus group on specific things that its purpose is for. <laughs> yeah. So I'm happy with the three for the functionality and purpose yes, of it. It's too generic. Uh huh. <laughs> How about craftsmanship of the Crystal Skulls, Angel? Craftsmanship. My God. Have you seen the pictures of these things? They look amazing. I wish I had a Crystal Skull. In fact, I remember back when I said I wanted the Baghdad batteries. Forget that. Oh, yeah. Move them over. Put them in a storage closet. I don't want them anymore. I want a Crystal Skull, damn it. The guy that stole them from the museum in Baghdad, <laughs> he can keep them. Exactly. <laughs> I'll trade all my Baghdad batteries for a crystal skull. <laughs> Give it a four. Wow. Okay. I traded in my pipe dream of having a Baghdad battery, and I, I just have electric eels <laughs> at, at all times ready to, uh, Power. to charge my feet. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so for craftsmanship, sp specifically, Dan Aykroyd believes that these things took between 300 and 500 years to make a single skull. A single skull. More time than it took to build the Great Pyramids. It's so that's something. Like that's some craftsmanship there. It's not just one person. That's that's generations of people mm -hmm. to to make just one crystal skull. So they seem to look very well made. They're neat to look at, like you said. I don't know. The the claim that it takes three hundred to five hundred years to make them 
that's too long. That's <laughs> too too long. That's, you got to speed up your your production here. So because of the length that it takes, that's not that's not refined craftsmanship. That's just I don't know what it is. It's just laziness, laziness. I think. <laughs> so I gave it a two and a half. Wow. And our final category, desirability. Well, I already I already said I want one of these things. In fact, I am drawn to one. I don't know. Once again, I feel like these objects have a hold on me, especially the last crystal skull picture I, I looked at. It was speaking to me straight into my mind. And I believe- You know what this means? <laughs> what does this mean? That may have been Shah Tritra's skull, <laughs> and she is beckoning you to rejoin her body. I think I think it might be the case. I I figured I'd I'd do a randonautica. <laughs> no, no. Check out imagine? where it leads me. You rando not a cut, and you find crystal bones. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! My purpose is clear. Uh, you have stated your intent. Crystal skulls. <laughs> four, four, straight up four. When I was looking into it, investigations by the Linnaean Society of London, a research institute specializing in taxonomy and and natural history they revealed that mitchell hedges actually purchased his skull at auction at Sotheby's in london in 1943 for around 400 pounds so today that would be about eighteen thousand dollars i suppose there's like there is a desire to collect them and you know unlock all of human knowledge so that's a pretty big deal but i i have a sneaking suspicion that that would not happen if you collected them all. I'm just saying that. I don't think anything would happen. You don't think... You don't think anything would happen? I don't think it. You know, I question Akbar and Josephat <laughs> and choosing that specific psychic medium to work with. I think they could have done better. Just saying. I mean, the... I don't want to question <laughs> the aliens. But, but you know, they... they... They have their reasons. You know, who are Akbar and Josephat looking out for? They're looking out for themselves, for the humans. I don't know. I don't know them enough to question or just, I guess, on blind faith say, I I trust you, Akbar and Josephat. I just like to, you know, you know, I, I think I feel like I know them. Like I, I know them for years. <laughs> I call them Old a- friends. Yeah, I call them AJ for short. You combined AJ? <laughs> It's like in Bill and Ted's bogus adventure where the station, station. The, the alien, <laughs> like combines from two aliens to one alien. That's right. That's Akbar and Joseph at right there. <laughs> Bill and Ted figured it all out. So for better or worse, people believe that these things can cure illness. Anything that can give people hope like that, even arguably false hope, will be a desired item. So I settled... <clears throat> on a three for desirability so what is your combined score for the crystal skulls angel my combined score is 16. i wasn't far behind you i was at a 15. so with the rubric of power collector's edition at work calculating our score crystal skulls ends at a 15 and a half just outrageous score that's a hot item. It is. That is. That's a good score. 
It is. It's uh, it's the top of our curious curio mm-hmm. score. Um, it's it's probably sitting on top of uh, Santa's throne, <laughs> a crystal skull. No way. <laughs> Santa had like a eighteen and point seven five. There's no way crystal skulls are touching Santa, <laughs> unless Akbar and Josephat are involved to dethrone Santa. Oh no. No, no, you misunderstand me. I mean, Santa has a crystal skull in his house. Oh, shit. <laughs> He's collaborating. Is he in on it? Mm-hmm. Is he the creator of the skulls? Oh, my God. <laughs> my theory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So, Angel, keep your grave robbing clothes on as we turn our direction from stealing artifacts to straight up stealing a corpse. A nearly 5,500-year-old corpse, to be more accurate. Let's discuss the Iceman's curse. So who exactly is the Iceman, and why is he so cursed? The Iceman is a natural mummy of a man from between 3,400 and 3,100 BCE from the area of the Otstel Alps between Austria and Italy. The corpse has been dubbed Otzi the Iceman, among other things. Otzi over here actually has more nicknames than St. Nicholas, if you can believe it. We have him dubbed Similan Man, Man from Hauslabjak, Hauslabjak the Mummy, Frozen Man, Frozen Fritz, and Tyrolean Iceman. I was surprised as I read that, Angel, as he shares one of your nicknames. <laughs> Does he? <laughs> that of Frozen Man for your unnatural love of Disney's movie Frozen. We were going to discuss that one next week. Uh, No, that's not a hobby. That's just (laughs) a sickness. (laughs) Now, the the curious thing about the Iceman is that he appears to have been murdered. In fact, an arrowhead was lodged in his left shoulder, which researchers believe resulted in a fatal wound. So are you ready, Angel? We are going to put on our detective clothes on top of our grave-digging clothes, so it might get a bit toasty in here. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to throw a ton of stuff at you so Angel Uh-oh. get that get that detective magnifying glass, polish it up, make it shiny and clear, get the Windex. <laughs> the murder scene 10,530 feet above sea level. The victim, 45-year-old male, 5 feet 3 inches tall, about 110 pounds. Analysis of the body found pollens and dust grains, along with isotopic composition of his tooth enamel, indicates he spent his younger days around Feldthurns, a village in northern Italy. In his older years, he moved further north. Stomach contents revealed partially digested ibex meat and wheat grains and suggested that food was eaten two hours before his death. Further study revealed a meal about eight hours before his death which indicates possibly eating goat and deer meat, herbed bread, roots, and fruits. Hair analysis revealed heightened levels of copper and arsenic, which combined with his copper axe, which was 99.7 pure copper, leads one to speculate he was involved in copper smelting. How much are your detective tingles tingling so far? Well, for one thing, this man knew how to eat. As I was reading that, I was like, God damn, Otzi <laughs> eats better than I do. <laughs> yeah, man. I was like, they, they, I was just thinking what they eat. They eat that stuff still like 
herb, herbed, what was that? Herb bread? He had herbed bread. Herb herbed bread. bread, some roots, some fruit. He ate some goat meat. He ate goat some meat. deer. Um, they even suspected that the goat meat that he had was actually goat bacon. My God. Where'd they get the, where'd they, where'd they get the frying pan? Where'd they get the oil? It's, it's copper. He had copper everywhere. Oh my God. <laughs> he used his axe. Copper. This sounds familiar. <laughs> Yep, I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> Mention a copper. Hodag's involved. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, Otzi had several cracked ribs. But don't confuse that with intent, as this probably occurred after his death as a large chunk of ice fell upon his corpse. So remember, he's over 10,000 feet above sea level, high up in the mountains, which presumably is why his body was so well preserved was because it was pretty much Brendan Fraser frozen in ice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if only we could have had Encino Man, where he was only partially frozen and came back as this zombified corpse. <laughs> Encino Man, but more serious. <laughs> yes, the dark, gritty Encino Man <laughs> that leads to the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> With Polly Shore at the helm, the movie that must be made. Wheezing the juice during the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> the arrowhead in his back leads most to think the Iceman bled to death, but more x-rays and CT scans in 2001 revealed the arrow shaft had been pulled out before his death and his body was covered in bruises, cuts to his hands and chest, and extensive cerebral trauma indicative of a serious blow to the head. One of the cuts on his thumb actually was so deep it went down to the bone. Analysis of the Iceman's gear reportedly reveals a strange picture indeed. The blood of four other individuals. One set of DNA on his knife that was not his own. Two sets of DNA on a single arrowhead. So presumably he struck somebody with the arrow, pulled it out, and then struck somebody else with the same arrow. Damn. And then he had blood on his coat that was not his as well. So the positioning of the Iceman's corpse would suggest that he was turned onto his stomach in an effort to remove the arrow and then possibly was not successful in trying to uh, keep him healed. He he bled out on his stomach and when it was left there. So what do you think happened to the Iceman Angel? What What do your detective, your true detective senses tell you? This man clearly knew something. Something that the others wanted, and he didn't want to mm-hmm. give. The others being the possibly a people from his tribe or a neighbors, neighboring tribe. Okay. But I believe he had some information, and he was not going to give it up. And they said, no, we're going to take that information from you. And he supposedly took a few of them with him. It's like, I'm not going down without a fight. Yep. Knifing a guy, shooting two with the same arrow. Friggin' like Legolas from Lord of the Rings retrieves <laughs> his arrow and kills another. It kills a guy so bad the blood splatters on his coat. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it's crazy. One other sort of alternate theory that I saw was maybe Otzi was trying to rescue somebody and the blood on his coat was actually the blood of his companion. That, um... Uh, he was trying to carry somewhere, and the, the blood was just left there as as that other friend 
bled out as well. So mm-hmm. lots of lots of, an interesting story for Otzi. And then the other thing that I thought of was like, my God, science has gotten this far that you can tell like the amount like the food that he ate fifty five hundred mm-hmm. years ago. But then at the same time, some police departments have trouble, you know, like figuring out with DNA evidence. I don't know. <laughs> it's very confusing to me how um, forensic science can or cannot work in most scenarios. I think it depends on on the freshness, right? If it happened yesterday, don't count on anyone ever finding out anything. <laughs> but millions of years ago, yeah, we can re- recreate everything. <laughs> If you ate goat bacon 5,500 years ago, <laughs> some scientist in Austria is going to dissect you and find out. Yep. So this might even lead into then exactly what the actual curse of the Iceman is. Now that we have put a, a sort of path on how Otzi possibly died, let's dig into the curse. So it seems to stem sort of from the same idea of things like the Egyptian mummy curse. So sort of the the I think most people know about like the King Tut curse. So opening the tomb of King Tut just wreaked havoc on the people that were involved, several deaths involved. So there's this sort of idea that disturbing the dead can lead to some sort of curse that just is going to make you dead next. Otzi was discovered on September 19th, 1991. It took several days to actually clear his body from the icy mountaintop, and then it wasn't long after that that the bodies started to hit the floor. <laughs> in 1992, Rainer Henn, the man who placed Otzi's body in a body bag, was on his way to a convention to talk about Otzi. En route to give a presentation, he was involved in a fatal car accident. A year later, Kurtz Fritz, the man who uh, led research to sort of analyze Otzi's body and organize the transportation of the corpse, he died in an avalanche. In 2004, Helmut Simon, one of the two people that actually discovered Otzi in the mountains, and they, uh, him and his wife, they actually thought it was a recently dead hiker that had gotten injured and died. That's how like preserved the body was. They thought it was a recent death. He disappeared into the Alps in snowy conditions. Several days later, his body was found as he had fallen more than 300 feet to his death. One of the men who helped find Helmut Simon as he disappeared in the Alps, his name was Dieter Warnecke, he died just hours before Simon's funeral. Then, leading Otzi researcher Conrad Spindler did not believe in the curse at all. And he is even quoted as saying, I think it's a load of rubbish. It's all a media hype. The next thing you'll be saying, I'll be next. And Angel, you know what happened? He was next. Conrad Spindler was next. <laughs> he died in 2005. Rainer Holes, the man who filmed Iceman's retrieval from the mountain, died of a brain tumor shortly after he released a one-hour-long documentary on the event. And our last victim, Tom Loy, a researcher involved in figuring out Otzi, uh, figuring out how Otzi most likely died Uh, due to some sort of armed conflict. He died of a blood disease discovered after he began studying Otzi's remains. (laughs) Oof. Watch out if you're involved with the removal of Otzi from his final resting place. (laughs) He died there, and (laughs) goddammit, he wanted to stay there. 
I mean, any any thoughts on the curse? I mean, how involved do you have to be? Like, is this like six degrees of Kevin Bacon? Because then everyone would just get affected. Six no? degrees of goat bacon in, in Otzi's <laughs> tummy. Because, I mean, one of them wasn't even involved with Otzi at all. He was just a guy trying to find Helmet Simon in an avalanche, or as he disappeared in, yeah. in the mountains. Yeah. And he, he's just, Otzi's like, screw you, you're dead too. <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting to point out that um, a lot of these articles will mention the how curse is clearly not true we're picking we're essentially cherry picking these deaths because there have been plenty of people that have um associated themselves with with this um mummy this ice man and um they're doing alive they're all alive and doing well but yeah i say to that sort of this this i this idea that like there's been hundreds of people that have worked and researched with otzi and then hundreds of people that have been involved around their lives why hasn't otzi killed them too yeah but I say to them, 200 years from now, when people look back and they see all the dead people, oh, everyone will literally be dead. They're going to attribute <laughs> it all to the curse. <laughs> all these people are dead. <laughs> everyone that opened up King Tut's tomb? Dead. dead. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> so we have uh, now the Rubric of Power, Special Collector's Edition. Did you want to add anything about the Iceman before we chisel him out and see how he grades? Yeah. All jokes aside, I've actually I've actually got the real story behind everything. The theory of everything, except it's not a theory of everything. It's a theory that not only explains the curse of the Iceman, it involves the Crystal Skulls. That's right. We have managed to find a connection between the two. The supposedly disjointed objects that we chose. They are, in fact, related. And I, once again, breaking this story out on our podcast. (laughs) And I see you already breaking out in hives because you can't wait. I got the chills. I got the goose flesh. (laughs) You can't wait to hear this. All right. I don't have any notes. I'm doing this off the cuff. This the best thing I've ever dis, uh, discovered. Okay, so as you mentioned, when Atsu was discovered, you listed some stuff he uh, they found on him. One of the things I, I don't think you mentioned was that he was also carrying some mid, uh, mushrooms of of you know like just mushrooms that you find, and uh, I believe they also found in his stomach contents birch polypore, which is a kind of mushroom as well. That is, is actually a medicinal mushroom. It's supposed to... <laughs> I thought you were going to say hallucinogenic. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's supposed to help with... I don't know what, but... The, 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 some ailment. Yeah, some ailment. He had tattoos. He had a shit ton. He had like 62 tattoos. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently... I, I, it was either the tattoos or... There's something related to the tattoos. I think that a lot of the tattoos were found... On places that were also considered pressure points, so so related to like acupuncture, acupressure type things. Wow. Okay. So sort of like maybe that they were alleviating. Yeah. Something yeah. by being placed there. Yeah. So, it is my belief that Atsi was either a kind of shaman or he was training to become a shaman, or even God. apprenticing, <laughs> and. 
That's right. He dabbled. And yeah, I'm sure the mushrooms they found on him, they weren't hallucinogenic. But when you have mushrooms on you, you know you've tried them all. And you know they're trying the kind that lets you see into the spiritual realm. He was hunted by his neighbors for whatever knowledge he held about the spiritual realm for whatever reason. He tried his best to fight back. And, you know, he was killed. He has... I'll, I'll, read, I'll read this. The, some, a scientific team have found 19 men that share a genetic lineage with Otzi. Living relatives. It's possible that at least one of these men may directly descend from the Iceman, part of an unbroken line of sons going back 5,300 years. All right. Bear with me here. So, he has living descendants. That means they have passed their secrets down throughout the ages. Whether Ice, the Iceman Ati died or not, this tribe that he was from most likely you know, passed their, their lineage down either orally or through stories. These living relatives today, and the 19 men that they found, doesn't mean that that's the only living relatives. Uh, the scientists believe that... Those are just the ones that been tested. Yeah, exactly. There could be more. So, you also mentioned that um, Otzi was found... Not found. He was... Uh, something about the Italian, northern Italy, a city that he'd been moving north. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had grown up in, uh, in a, a, a small village that's still there in Italy, in northern Italy. And then it was actually very odd that he moved away and the like composition of his bones would indicate that he had a very mobile life which would have been odd for that time period people didn't typically uh walk as much as what his bones showed yeah so that's exactly the point he has been he was very mobile he probably passed down his genes to a lot of people along his way and they all formed families, and then they passed their genes down, and they continued moving north. North into what is uh, north of Austria now is Germany. And if you keep going north in Germany and then westward towards the France side, uh, closer to France, I mean, you might end up in a town in Germany called Edar Oberstein. Now, what's so special about Edar Oberstein. They, that's town. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to think of where you could go, and I have no idea. <laughs> that town contains what is known as the master carvers of crystal skulls. They. <gasps> it does. They were made in Germany. They were made. And in I didn't Germany. mention that. <laughs> they, 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 they were sourcing the the crystals from Brazil. To Germany, and these master carvers created the skulls there, and they probably sold them off as souvenirs and saying, "Oh, it's from the mines or Mesoamerica, whatever." But they, in fact, were one of those people. Maybe they all just speculating here, but maybe the master carvers all have some sort of lineage related to this man, and they're imbuing some kind of secret into the skulls that contain the Otzi, the Otzi man's real secret. It's not psychic knowledge it's not the secret knowledge of the world it's only the knowledge of the Otzi Iceman and I believe if you get all those skulls and pull them together you will be able to recreate his knowledge and possibly bring him back to life there I said it <laughs> we need to do it we need to resurrect Otzi <laughs> 
And there you have it, folks. The, you know, the thing that I pulled from that story is that then Otzi was in his journeys. He was laying some pipe. <laughs> well, obviously. <laughs> he was. Uh, well, reconstructions of his face indicate that he was a dark-eyed, dark-haired man. A lot of uh, women find that very attractive. Mm-hmm. So he, he wasn't by any means any uh, an ugly fellow. By based on recon- reconstructions of his face, yeah. So it has potential. And and uh, getting back to the Altiman Isis Iceman curse, these uh, living relatives, the descendants, because they know their secrets, the secrets of this family, they were also able to essentially, they essentially place the curse really. And once his body was oh. found, you know. Those people, even though all these people that supposedly uh, um, have been around the the Iceman mummy, how come only these seven people have died? Well, that's because those seven people are descendants of those neighbors that went after Otzi. Oh, no. The ones that killed him. That's right. That's why the curse is targeting them and not the other hundreds of other researchers that dissected Otzi. Exactly. And that is my theory. And you know what? That theory is the most sane thing that I've heard all episode long. <laughs> Excluding Akbar and Josephat. I can't deny them can't deny their rightful AJ. place. <laughs> hats off to you, my my double build detective hat. Hats off to you. You solved the, the murder of Otzi. It's been and, and the Crystal Skulls, really. So, yep. oh my gosh. History has been made. So, without any further ado, let's rank Otzi then, or really not Otzi, but the Iceman's Curse in the Rubric of Power. So, where are you sitting for the lore of the Iceman's Curse? Which, this is a difficult one because you sort of have to remove Otzi from the equation. Yeah. This is, we're just grading his curse. Yeah. So, Which is arguably the least interesting thing about <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly how I rated it. I didn't take, uh, just to be perfectly transparent here, I did not take any of my theories into account this time around because uh, I wanted to be fair and just. <laughs> Especially because I gave such glowing reviews for the Crystal Skull. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah. The, killing seven random people died because of you know, chance, some random thing happened. You know, it's like you said, one of the guys died. It wasn't even directly related to, to Otzi to doing anything with Otzi. He was just looking for the other guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and no matter where I search on the internet, they all say the same thing. They just list everyone's deaths and, and they say it's the curse and that's it. There's nothing behind it other than that. Nobody, not, not, not even, you know, I gave more lore to it just now than <laughs> the news people have. There's nobody talking about why this curse exists or where it came from. Yeah, I just gave it a two. It's, you know, adequate, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you were you were nicer than me because, <laughs> you know, like so much research has gone, like s- significant research, good research has gone into Otzi's actual, like, remains. And people die of weird circumstances all the time look at otzi himself Mm -hmm. just like weird circumstances they happen so uh for the actual curse i rated it a one there is there really isn't any lore around it and it only what he was found in 91 so there isn't that much time 
for the curse to to curse to do its job <laughs> yeah there's still time so maybe in 80 years when we revisit the iceman curse i'll i'll raise its score because then maybe 300 more of those researchers <laughs> will be dead by then yep so how about the oh god the properties of iceman's curse i mean it's killing a few people i guess i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah, I, I have nothing else to say. <laughs> yeah, so it's like the the properties of this curse is it a revenge curse, like a curse for disturbing his remains? The the poor guy that found the body with his wife, Helmet Simon, he was just climbing on a mountain, like, <laughs> and he deserves to die of the curse. Like, shame on you, Otzi, if that's the case. And. I didn't mention mo- like how most of the people died. Most of them died of reasonable afflictions. Yeah, it wasn't like uh, like if they had all died of car crashes or like plane crashes or like things that were most likely outside of their control. Yeah, then th- I think there would be a whole different presentation of the curse. But a lot of them just died of natural causes, like the the guy that died of the, uh, <laughs> the blood, disease. blood disease. It was a genetic blood disease that he had. It wasn't yeah, like something that genetic, he had gained. But it was found after. <laughs> after, <laughs> after he dealt, so or dealt with Otzi. Like, it, it, the way that it's framed online is like, or in the, in the documents, it's mm-hmm. like, Otzi gave him this blood disease. Like, yeah. by, by dealing with his dead body, he gained this disease. <laughs> That's not the case at all. Yeah. If it was... I would not be giving it the score that I'm giving it a one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about uh, <laughs> functionality and purpose of the Iceman's curse? <laughs> I mean, the purpose of the curse is, I guess, to harm somebody or something. I mean, it's done something if you want to believe in that. And we just go back to the same thing we've been saying. It's not really, it's it's not doing a good a job if it's just gonna off people by natural causes and you know, freak accidents or what have you. One. Yeah. Yeah. The, the functionality and purpose to me, like the curse seemed like since people are dying, the curse therefore is to kill people. But like the reason behind it for finding his body, like Otzi, you're being a real dickhead here. <laughs> this is like, you were just up there in the mountain and people found you. Mm-hmm. They're going to take you off the mountain. <laughs> There's, I don't know. It, it, it makes no sense to me for further to be a curse surrounding his body it's more of some people have died and that's the story yep so i uh, a one for functionality and purpose how about how about the craftsmanship of the iceman's curse oh man the craftsmanship is so beautiful i mean it's got the the, the best curves and you know on the on the, over here you can tell it's just perfectly made to to just off those people and those particular people that have been offed by it. (laughs) What can I say about the craftsmanship of this curse? Absolute one. (laughs) No finer hands have been played in the craftsmanship of a curse that I have ever seen. Like haunted paint or cursed paintings. Watch out. (laughs) Otzi's got your, he's coming for you, but not really because that would mean that the curse was intended. And I do not think that this curse was ever, like, there was ever any intent behind it. So Atsi dies up in the Alps, and he's like, uh, I forgive those that shot me in the back and killed me, 
but a curse upon anybody that finds my body. Ah, <laughs> like, see, your your like focus was going towards the wrong people. So I I rated it a one. Kind of reminds me reminds me of of the Mothman movie that he just kind of <laughs> goes after everyone. Anybody in sight, you're dead. You're dead to me. You let me die, even though I was born. 5,500 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the desirability of the Iceman's Curse. I hope it's a four. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly want it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never wanted anything in my life as much as I want this curse. <laughs> I want this curse so bad. <laughs> I, I mean, do I desire this curse or do I desire to curse someone with this curse? Which means find some uh, a frozen mummy somewhere and don't die of natural issues I guess. really I the, cur- the curse would be i'm gonna get you a job uh <laughs> helping to research otzi so that you get this curse <laughs> like, that would be the only way to get them to have the curse <laughs> and even then it's random at best since <laughs> there's so many people working with that mummy um yeah that's a one that's a good old solid <laughs> copper one. Um, I mean, no one wants the Iceman curse. I gave it a one. Yep. <laughs> so if my math adds up, you gave it a five. I gave it a five. We don't even need the rubric of powered algorithm here. Iceman's curse gets a five. <laughs> gave it a six, actually. Oh, you gave it a six? Well, that changes everything. <laughs> so you gave it a six. I gave it a five. The Iceman's Curse gets a five and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Much better. That changes everything, really. I mean, history has been made. The Iceman's Curse, literally the lowest rating we have ever given anything. Nope. (laughs) It does not beat the Dropa Stones. (laughs) Oh, it doesn't? What did the Dropa Stones get? Oh, I think I gave some zeros out in that. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Dropa Stones got a 5.25. I was pretty angry from the Dropa Stones. <laughs> I was, my mind was clouded. I guess even less so than than old Otzi here. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe I was more I was happy with the actual uh, his life and how well he ate in his final hours of life. <laughs> that yeah. uh, I had some sort of mental awareness that it didn't give him zeros. <laughs> so I retract my statement. <laughs> Dropa Stones worse than the Iceman's Curse. Yikes! It's good to have these records because then it reminds us of the the real the the things that matter in life. Yeah, like how- the Dropa Stones. <laughs> Screw you, Dropa Stones. Yeah, <laughs> a curse. The Iceman's curse upon you, Dropa Stones. <laughs> That's gonna up its desirability. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Take care of the people that made the <laughs> proliferated the Dropa Stone story. <laughs> So, any final things to say about the Iceman's Curse before we finish this episode? Yeah, I just want to send a message out to any of Otzi's living relatives out there listening. Don't come after me if I have revealed your secrets. Because uh, I've named names and just know that your secret's safe with me. Because you're in your bunker and you're not leaving exactly. ever again. <laughs> I don't have any more to say of the Iceman's Curse. I, I want nothing more to do with it. <laughs> you know, Be gone, Iceman's Curse. You know, I think I think I know someone who would have something to say. 
about maybe not the Iceman's Curse, but maybe about Crystal Skulls. His name is yeah. Carl Shooker. <laughs> so gone. What's Carl Shooker got to say about this? I have no clue, but his name has popped up when talking about Crystal Skulls. I I ask our curiosities. Let's uh, mm. tweet at Carl Shooker and ask him what does he know about Crystal Skulls and also ask him if maybe he knows something about um, the Iceman curse. And you can tweet at him with uh, hashtag Cracked Cryptids. You can also include us in those tweets at Cracking Curios. We also have an Instagram that you guys can follow at Cracking Cryptids. And if you want to send us an email or two, send us an email at crackingcryptidsandcurios at gmail.com. Yeah, and join us next time as we look into the Rougerou, a werewolf-like entity in Louisiana, of all places. We'll take a look at uh, a another listener-requested cryptid as we go back to the cryptid sides of things. It's time to uh, close the book on the Iceman Curse and the Crystal Skull. <laughs> put it away on our shelf. Yep. Uh, never. I'm actually going to put a lock on it, and I'm going to swallow the key so no one can ever open that damn book ever again. Except Dan Aykroyd. He'll be the only one. And I'll leave you with this. If Dan Aykroyd is so into the crystal skulls and such a believer why would he tempt fate by making his own alcohol brand inside a crystal skull bottle mm, something to meditate about mm-hmm. until next time whatever our call officers <laughs> <laughs> sign off is <laughs>